0: One of the first votes taken by the 116th Congress established the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress, its goal to come up with ideas for modernizing the legislative branch. Though it doesn't hold any legislative authority, the committee will hold public hearings to discuss ways to update the way Congress conducts day-to-day business. To find out more, Federal News Network's Jason Miller spoke with the chair of the committee, Representative Derek Kilmer of Washington.
1: So two things happened at the beginning of this year, uh, both of which I think are pretty positive. Uh, One was some changes in the House rules to try to make the process more transparent and more open. Uh, And the second was the establishment of this uh, Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress. And uh, about every 20 or 30 years, Congress does this. It acknowledges that that Congress is uh, somewhat of a fixer-upper and that it's worth every now and then, evaluating what's working, what's not working, and how to make this a more high-performing organization. Um, the last time this happened was 1993, and I think it's probably well past due for Congress to have a, have a committee like this. So it was uh, on the very first week the committee was established uh, with, the pack- with the passage of the rules package and tasked with uh, some specific issues to look at um, in hopes of making the organization uh, a higher-performing one.
0: Now, you guys have been – it's been about a month since this was passed. What have you done over the last month? And, and you said you have a, another meeting just happening uh, this week.
1: So the, the committee was established in statute a few weeks back. Just this last week, the Democratic members of the committee were appointed, and we're still waiting on the Republicans to appoint their members. My expectation is that will happen this week um, and once we have the committee members appointed, we can get cooking. Um, we are doing some of just the nuts and bolts of work planning out what this year is going to look like, uh, having conversations with everyone from think tanks to academia um, to really go through some of the issues that the committee is tasked with uh, with um, assessing and making recommendations around. Um, in, in the um, statute that established this committee, we were asked to look at some specific things, and I'll, I guess i 'll start with the problem statement, which is you know every time you see uh, bills written behind closed doors and passed without debate, uh, every time you see a meltdown in Congress, whether it be around a government shutdown or other things that kind of lock people out of the government that they fund, um, I think it erodes public faith in government and That's to some degree why this committee was established. It's an acknowledgement, like any other functional organization. It's worth diagnosing what's working and what isn't and try to make things better. The committee was tasked with looking at some specific issues, some of which uh, involve the rules and procedures of the House, uh, sort of piggybacking on some of the work that happened um, over the course of last year that led to the rules package this year to add some transparency to try to Uh, encourage more uh, bipartisan problem-solving within the Congress. Not everything was dealt with, and there were some issues that were sort of that may require a bit more marination, and so that's one thing that we're tasked with looking at. We're tasked with looking at um, issues around the schedule and the calendar, uh, how often Congress is here, how floor and committee time is, uh, is determined. We're asked to look at issues around technology, and that's an issue, frankly, where, You've seen a lot of member interest on, on that, both from the standpoint of cybersecurity but also how Congress uh, uh, uses innovation uh, both to engage one another, to engage our staffs, to try to serve the American people, and even how we engage with the American people through the use of innovative technologies. Congress is behind the curve on that front, and that's one thing that the committee is tasked with looking at. We're asked to look at Issues around the recruitment, retention, and diversity of staff, as well as, you know, right now you have, in essence, 435 independent contractors, and there's uh, direction for the committee to look at things like potentially shared services that may enable uh, taxpayer dollars to to be used in a more effective and efficient way. Um, And then some even pretty nitty-gritty details, like uh, what does franking look like? in a world with technology where you know glossy mail pieces are not necessarily the way that people consume information anymore and so there's a provision in the uh, in the uh, establishment of this committee for us to look at franking uh, and potential updates in that regard.
0: There's a couple of things I want to unpack. Let me start with the diversity retention recruitment. One of the things that that I've noticed over the years of covering Congress and is a member is only as good as their staff. And if you can't recruit good staff, or if your staff is, is, you know, you're only recruiting 22 and 23 year olds, it's going to miss something in the broader. So when you start talking about the recruitment, retention, diversity, and I know it's still early, what are some of the things that are of interest to you, or at least you hope that you guys can, can start to talk through?
1: Well, and this gets at some of the c- discussions we've been having there's groups like the Congressional Management Foundation that have that have looked at that issue and and certainly identified the same problem statement that that you just articulated, which is there's not a position uh, in the House committee or uh, personal office staff where the median tenure is longer than four years so there's just tremendous turnover uh, that happens and Looking at the drivers of that, uh, what's leading to that level of turnover, trying to get some understanding of how Congress can build some additional institutional capacity so that we can, as an institution, solve problems, I think is important. Um, And I say that in part because in the absence of that, what you can too often see is lobbyists and uh, outside interest groups uh, and even the executive branch having far more authority than the people's house has.
0: The other one I want to touch upon also is technology. There's been a lot of discussion about modernizing technology around Congress, and including potentially even bringing back the Office of Technology Assessment. Uh, again, I know it's early, but wh- what are your, some of your thoughts about where technology can have probably the biggest impact on how Congress works?
1: Well, I think that's something that uh, has certainly been raised as we've had conversations with think tanks and even with members. There's in, some interest in engaging that dialogue. I don't want to presuppose the outcome of, of the committee's work, but I think looking at both how the House is structured to evaluate technology, to, uh, to consider um, meaty issues around technology policy and ensuring that the institution has the uh, knowledge and capability to, to do that, um, and even looking at issues around uh, uh, how innovation is taken up by members, either for engaging with each other to solve problems or to engage our constituents. These are issues that we're going to be taking a look at.
0: Now, I know from doing a little bit of research, you guys uh, have about a year to come up with some recommendations. Give me a sense of what the process is between now and you know next year at this time, if we have this conversation how do you expect to work? What, what are some of the timetables you're up against?
1: Well, there's there's a few things that are unique about this committee. One, uh, and perhaps the most unique uh, piece of this, is that uh, it's truly a bipartisan committee. It was set up with uh, six Democrats and six Republicans to be named, uh, but that's unique in that even though Democrats are in the majority, there's not, we don't have a numbers advantage on the committee. I think that's probably healthy and okay because when you're talking about institutional reform, I think these should be bipartisan issues. Uh, the committee in the rule that established it, uh, it requires a two-thirds vote of the committee to make a recommendation out of the committee. And we're required every 90 days to um, provide an update on the progress we're making. My sense is, and uh, I think certainly my interest is not in waiting a year for the committee to make any recommendations, but to sort of pump out recommendations as we go and to identify some areas. And listen, as we've talked to members, uh, there may be some areas of of low-hanging fruit that we can just take action on, hopefully on the early side and and get cooking, because the American people are expecting us to, uh, have a higher performing organization. Listen, it's, it's, you know, I haven't been here all that long. This is um, just the beginning of my fourth term here, but it's strange to be part of an organization that, according to recent polling, is less popular than head lice and colonoscopies, uh, I think ranking just above Nickelback. And, you know, I think there's a real zeal for trying to fix some of the things that are problematic about the institution, with the most important hope being that this institution can better serve the American people and that the people who are elected here can do a better job of representing their constituents.
0: Congressman Derek Kilmer represents Washington's 6th District and chairs the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress. He spoke with Federal News Network's executive editor, Jason Miller. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive.
1: Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1000 your first month. Learn more at griffelsplasma.com.